Welcome to Power Up, a podcast show hosted by Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio that brings life to some of the stories on Power Electronics technologies and products featured on PowerElectronicsNews.com and through other as Pencor Media publications. In this show, you'll hear both engineers and executives discuss news, challenges, and opportunities for power electronics in markets such as automotive, industrial, and consumer. Here is your host, Editor-in-Chief of PowerElectronicsNews.com and EEWeb.com, Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio. Hello, I am Mauricio and welcome to this new episode of Power Up. Power Electronics has undergone an interesting change towards new wideband gap semiconductors. Significant impact factors for the growth of the wideband gap semiconductor market include the growing demand for improved energy efficiency and increased demand for long-life batteries. In power electronics, gallium nitride, GAN, and silicon carbide SIC or SIC wideband gap semiconductors are used as a solution to slow down silicon in high temperature and high power segments. GAN device manufacturer's rapid progress in material and process technologies has resulted in significant improvements in both performance and cost of products for several applications. In this podcast, our focus is to go in deep towards GAN, with Alex Lidl, CEO and co-founder of EPC Efficiency Power Conversion, and Dinesh Ramanathan, CEO and co-founder of NextGen Power Systems. Hi Alex, this is Maurizio, nice to meet you and thanks for your time. Uh, before to start, please introduce uh, yourself and uh, your company. I'm Alex Lido, and I'm CEO and uh, co-founder of Efficient Power Conversion Corporation. And uh, EPC is the largest supplier of gallium nitride power devices in the world. Uh, we're 12 years old. We've been in production for 10 years. And our goal is to make uh, products that are higher performance than silicon at a lower cost. Great. Thank you. So why GAN and SIC or SIC, silicon carbide, and for which markets we can uh, find a lot of uh, application? Do you think that there is another material that could be a good competitor for GAN and, uh, and SIC? Well, I think the, the good competitor for GAN and SIC is silicon. Uh, silicon's been around for 70 years, uh, and it's a very, very good semiconductor. The advantages of GAN and silicon carbide compared to silicon are very different for each. So, for example, the advantage of both GAN and silicon carbide is that they have a wide band gap. And what that means is the atoms are are bound together much tighter in the crystal. Mm -hmm. So it's harder to pull an electron off of the atom to make it conduct. Yeah. Uh, now, the advantage of that is that you can block a high voltage across a very short distance. So the distance in GAN or silicon carbide uh, that it takes to block, say, 100 volts is one-tenth the distance that it takes in silicon. So that's a good start. Mm -hmm. Now, gallium nitride has a property that neither silicon nor silicon carbide has, and that's a two-dimensional electron gas, which is actually a quantum mechanical gas that allows electrons to transport across the surface of the device mm -hmm. extremely efficiently, 
much more efficiently than any other material. So what that means is that lateral devices in gallium nitride are extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in a vertical direction, yep. both silicon carbide and gallium nitride are about the same, and they're about the same as silicon in terms of electron transport, mm-hmm. but you can get those distances shorter because of this, this uh, uh, it's called a critical electric field or the breakdown field of the device. Um, so now let's break that down, and where is one good and where is the other? Well, lateral devices at low voltage using GAN can be extremely small compared to silicon and can be extremely fast because of this mm-hmm. two-dimensional electron gas. As you go to higher and higher voltages, the need to separate the terminals because of the need to separate you know, them from breaking down in air gets to be bigger than the, the uh, semiconductor itself. So you really can't use a lateral device. You need to go to a vertical device. When you go to a vertical device, gallium nitride and silicon carbide um, perform about the same, Mm -hmm. and they both perform better than silicon. So I would say that for gallium nitride, where it's going to be good is 600 volts and under, where it's a lateral device. And silicon carbide, which has a long lead in front of gallium nitride for vertical devices, will probably be good above 900 volts. compared to silicon or gallium nitride. And the war is going to be between 600 and 900 volts, where silicon, gallium nitride, and silicon carbide all perform very well in different ways. Good. Okay. So again, uh, as the goal to reduce the switching losses and to enable chargers, adapters, and open frame power supplies, uh, just to be uh, more uh, efficient, uh, lighter, smaller than uh, silicon part, silicon alternatives. Uh, what do you think about the possible uh, developmental status of a full gain module today? Uh, and by full GAN module, I mean I think you mean a gallium nitride s- system on a chip. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, I think EPC and Navitas uh, both are ver- uh, you know have the closest thing to a system on a chip. Uh, Navitas uh, has um, a two-chip solution for the primary side of an AC power supply. And they've done very well getting these designed into these very high-density AC adapters like you would have for fast charging of cell phones, mm-hmm. 45-watt, 65-watt adapters. They use two chips uh, in order to create most of the functions of the primary side. Mm-hmm. EPC has actually integrated the full um, either primary side of a uh, isolated converter or the full um, buck converter mm-hmm. on one chip, everything except for the control. Uh, and uh, it's a lower voltage. It's a, Ours is an 80-volt chip, mm-hmm. and we call it the e-power stage. So I think that in both of those cases, we are very close. Everything but the passive components, the magnetics and capacitors, and the digital components are mm-hmm. supplied on the GAN chip. Okay, so uh, about data center, data center operators and their uh, suppliers need to to think and act differently as the world is expected to move 
from uh, so 8 to 30 billion connected uh, devices in the next uh, in the next years how is the market going to face this uh, challenge and uh, what is the role of uh, gain technology in this market we need to be able to you know think electronically more efficiently in a smaller space using less power yeah um the the first big step uh, you know, in the last few years was moving from a 12-volt distribution bus on the server to a 48-volt distribution bus on the server. And that basically cuts distribution losses down by 1 16th. What that's done is it's moved the power supply that used to be on the server rack onto the server board. And that puts a lot of pressure on that power supply to be tiny and extremely efficient. And so the pressure has, has really caused a broad adoption of GAN for these 48-volt power supplies on servers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing that's occurring is, you know, the, you have a two-stage conversion. It used to be 48 to 12 that occurred on the server rack, and then 12 down to 1 volt, which was the point-of-load converter, on the server board. Now it's 48 to X on the server and X to the half a volt that's needed for the GPU or CPU. So it's a two-stage conversion. But that number X is moving from 12 volts down to about 5 volts. So that point-of-load converter can be a 5 volt down to 0.5 volt, and it can slide right next to the GPU under this heat sink. And it saves huge power. Uh, And the effect of that is that's going to BCD MOS. So we're seeing the elimination of silicon completely from the entire power supply chain in servers. So for us, it's a big deal. The AC input is going GAN. The output at 48 volts from the AC-DC is going GAN as a synchronous rectifier. The 48-volt primary side is going GAN. And then the second, and then the uh, the secondary side is going to BCDMOS, and the point of load is going to BCDMOS big change in our industry. So in terms of wireless charging solutions instead, so they find space in uh, in automotive too, industrial uh, and uh, consumer markets. Uh, their solution enable uh, fast, uh, easy to use and uh, secure charging uh, ecosystem and uh, in in the same in the same time uh, eliminating the need for uh, for cables. Uh, how can GAN technology improve this technology? And um, which are the considerations, which features should be considered? So the first generation wireless chargers uh, use a format called Qi. It's spelled Q-I. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's basically an inductor. Yeah. Uh, you form an inductor by having a receiving side and a sending side, and you have to align them very carefully. It works at low frequencies, about 200 kilohertz. Um, and it's, it's okay, but it requires a very careful alignment, and it's hard to get up to higher power levels because it generates quite a bit of heat. Um, so the next generation, the second generation, is a, uh, something that gives you XY freedom or maybe even XYZ freedom, and it can be either magnetic resonance, which is a, um, a, cl- a closed-loop system, or it can be RF which is an open loop system. 
Um, and the magnetic resonance systems run at 6.78 megahertz because that's an open uh, ISM band around the world. So it doesn't require a license. 6.78 megahertz is too high of a frequency for silicon. So GAN dominates those applications. It has not yet taken hold across uh, a widespread of consumer products like cell phones, um, but it has started to take hold in applications such as robotics, um, medical, um, and um, uh, things like hearing aids, um, uh, electrically laced shoes. So there's starting to be a groundswell, but I think that most people would agree that the existing wireless charging mm -hmm. solutions are a good start, but they're not that convenient. The next one will be a magnetic resonance solution. Um, and that, I think, is probably three to five years away and is waiting for somebody to, a cell phone manufacturer to adopt it and for IC companies to integrate a lot of the functions. And we, as a GAN producer, we are already supplying GAN integrated circuits for those applications to help that. So just to, to give a look uh, on the future, uh just last question what do you expect for the next generation and what does the future hold for gan and in, in what areas do you think there will be good opportunities for a future expansion in technology and sales silicon is at the theoretical limit today for power devices but gan is 300 times away from it. So you will see um, certainly continued rapid progress of uh, smaller die sizes with lower on resistance with higher power handling. And that's one track. The second track, which I think is, is even more powerful, is that we are beginning to see a high level integration in GAN. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that will allow things like envelope tracking systems merged with power amplifiers in your cell phone. Um, you know, the LiDAR systems that you see today, um, uh, you know, are just the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we are already supplying fairly advanced integrated circuits into those LiDAR systems to make them less expensive. Well, we're already seeing LiDAR systems going from $100,000 down to $100. And, and a, you know, a big contributor is that the GAN integration makes those systems simpler and lower cost. Um, I think that GAN has already, low voltage GAN has already crossed over the cost structure of MOSFETs. And for the last couple of years, we've been pricing it with uh, about the same price as MOSFETs. And so we're seeing when new designs come up, mm -hmm. more often than not, they convert to GAN. Um, and so you now are seeing a, an acceptance and even I'll say the default changing from MOSFETs to GAN across almost all applications where you see MOSFETs, certainly in 200 volts and below. That's great. So thank you so much for, uh, for this interview, Alex, and uh, congratulations again for, for your book. Thanks. <laughs> thank you, Maurizio. <laughs> thank you. So thank you, Dinesh, for this interview. Uh, thank you for your time. Uh, as you know, I am Editor-in-Chief of Power Electronic News, and I would like to know more about, uh, about you and your company. So first of all, please introduce uh, yourself, uh, giving me some words about you and your company, Next Gen 
power systems. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, thank you, Maurizio, for um, for the opportunity for this interview. Uh, my name is Dinesh Ramanathan. I am uh, the CEO of NextGen Power Systems and one of the co-founders of the company. Uh, the company was founded in uh, 2017. Um, we are a company that makes gallium nitride on gallium nitride devices. These devices are vertical devices, so we call them vertical gallium nitride devices. Um, we have our own fab. Uh, the fab is located in upstate New York, in which we make these vertical gallium nitride devices uh, and then ship them to our to our customers from there. Um, the company has been around since 2018. Uh, it has about 54 people in the company. Uh, before coming to or before founding NextGen, um, I was the CEO of uh, a previous company called Avogy, um, from which uh, the basic intellectual property uh, comes into NextGen. Uh, before Avogy, I was at Cypress Semiconductor. I worked there for over nine years. Um, and before that, I've done a whole bunch of semiconductor and uh, mm -hmm. uh, software-related jobs before. Good. So next-gen power systems is uh, uh, fabricating vertical power devices, vertical GAN, using ohmic-potassial GAN on GAN substrates. Uh, vertical GAN devices are capable of switching at even higher frequencies and operating at, as you know, higher uh, voltages, uh, which should lead to a new generation of more efficient power devices. Uh, can you tell me about? Uh, can you tell me more about this uh, technology? Of course, Maurizio. So um, we, as you pointed out, we make vertical gallium nitride devices. Uh, these devices can operate from a hundred volts all the way up to four thousand volts, uh, and they can switch at uh, multiple megahertz uh, switching frequencies. Um, these devices are uh, three-dimensional in structure, uh, and that's why they're vertical. Um, if you want uh, more voltage, we just grow more gallium nitride. If you want more current, we increase the area of the device. Uh, so we use all three dimensions of the device to make um, a junction field effect uh, power transistor. Um, these devices also avalanche. Um, and avalanche is a very important property that is required of power devices. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a self-protection mechanism. Uh, that the device has. So in case its voltage goes up or its current goes up, uh, it can absorb these uh, surges and still operate um, like it was before. Um, these devices um, are significantly better than any other device that's available uh, on the planet today. Uh, and more importantly, um, NextGen can make these devices and offer them to our customers at, at costs that are comparable to silicon. So the conversion to, to GAN is well underway, but uh, as, as you know, there are some um, technological challenges, uh, including the difficulty uh, to grow uh, in growing uh, GAN epitaxial films. Uh, what are the difficulties and challenges in this case? And uh, uh, the consideration about the, the main substrates used for the next technology. Sure. Um, so um, the substrate that we use for our technology are gallium nitride substrates. These substrates are four inch wafer substrates. Um, there are at least mm -hmm. five suppliers that are making uh, four inch gallium nitride substrates. Uh, two of them are in Japan, one is in Europe and two of them are in China. Um, yeah. We have been working for over six years on this technology. 
um, and uh, we have a significant number of patents that uh, we have filed uh, yep. on GAN epitaxial growth, device design, uh, system design, uh, as well as um, operation of, uh, of full-blown systems with gallium, vertical gallium nitride devices in them. Um, we uh, grow gallium nitride films um, on gallium nitride substrates in our fab in upstate New York. Uh, we use standard equipment or uh, to grow these uh, these gallium nitride films. And then there are many challenges that uh, one faces in order to make vertical gallium nitride devices. Um, and since NextGen has been working for over six years on this particular process and technology, we have actually overcome uh, all these challenges in the last six years. So some of the challenges are, uh, how do you grow P-type gallium nitride um, effectively and uh, um, and activate it properly. Uh, how do you deal with uh, transparent substrate? So gallium nitride substrate is a transparent substrate. So you need to be able to uh, do lithography on a transparent substrate. Uh, the gallium nitride substrate is brittle. So you have to make sure that you're uh, you know, not breaking your substrates um, while you're processing them. Uh, mm -hmm. Also, we have to thin these gallium nitride substrates so that you get the best thermal performance. So then the other question is, how do you deal with very thin uh, brittle substrate? So these are all the problems that we have overcome uh, in being able to make these devices. And uh, um, uh, that, that's, that's what NextGen has been doing for, uh, for such a long time. <clears throat> so GAN or gallium nitride and the silicon garbide or uh, SIC or SIC uh, will drive the future of uh, high power density and uh, weight efficiency. Uh, just to focus on uh, free energy or uh, green energy, I think that GAN and SIC uh, have a good uh, and important role for uh, the future of this energy, which is the role of wide band gap semiconductor in solar energy. Uh, sure. So, um, so in, in solar energy today, um, most of the inverters that you find, both uh, mm -hmm. micro inverters as well as string inverters, uh, there's a figure of merit that you use uh, to figure out how good a semiconductor device is uh, for string inverters and for micro inverters. Um, uh, this metric is typically a combination of the, 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 the gate charge that you have. Uh, mm -hmm. and the output capacitance of the device. So if you look at uh, our device and you compare this figure of merit, which is the multiplicative factor of gate charge and output capacitance, uh, you'll find that uh, our devices, the vertical gallium nitride devices actually are significantly better uh, than the silicon carbide devices. Also, because our vertical gallium nitride devices, we can do 1,200 volt devices, you know, 1,700 volt devices, um, you know, which cannot be done by any of the other GAN on silicon products. Uh, only silicon carbide can do this. So we believe that gallium nitride, vertical gallium nitride will be very competitive to silicon carbide. In fact, it will be much better than silicon carbide uh, in these hard switched applications, which are typically used in solar energy uh, inverters. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Good. Uh, so, Silicon carbide and, uh, and gallium nitride have, of course, advantage of uh, over silicon uh, semiconductor. And these uh, uh, advantages we can find for uh, power application, uh, for example, as you as you told me. Uh, 
the market, of course, uh, is continuing its race towards a request for more power. And uh, designers uh, are working with uh, these uh, semiconductors, uh, wideband gap semiconductor, to face some uh, real-life challenges in terms of design, substrate, wafer. What areas do you think there will be good, significant opportunities for, the, for future expansion? Or about uh, again in particular in technology and sales right so um so that's that's a, that's a very good question so i, I think the the key for any wide <laughs> band gap solution uh, and i and i say this you know with the um you know with, with the approach that vertical gallium nitride is a wide band gap solution so has to have five properties right so number one yeah. Um, this wide band gap solution has to be uh, competitive with silicon on cost. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, you have to provide system solutions uh, to customers that are easy to use so that the customers can replicate the solutions that you are providing into you know, various versions of their systems. Uh, you need a technology that can scale from low voltage, which is 100 volts all the way to 4,000 volts, because yeah. if you're only playing in 1,200 volt space or only in the 650 volt space, uh, then you don't have the full range. And if you don't have full range, you don't have enough volume that will basically yeah. drive your cost down. So you must have a technology that scales effectively from 100 volts all the way to you know 4,000 plus volts. Then we have to create manufacturing ready reference designs to our customers. Um, And we have to show our customers exactly how some of the key high frequency problems can be solved. So we have to put ourselves in the shoes of our customers and solve these problems like our customers would end up solving them with focus on cost, reliability, um, robustness. These are all things that our customers would consider when they are using our devices in their systems. The fifth thing is we have to create a full ecosystem around these wideband gap devices. And a full ecosystem means making controllers, making sure that magnetics are there, making sure that drivers are there, which are low cost, uh, so that the total solution that we put together uh, and offer our customers is low cost solution. Uh, That is what will allow wideband gap to basically take over the entire power supply market uh, and not be a niche player, um, you know, especially in the high end or in some small area where you don't see too much volume coming. This is the these five things are what NextGen is doing internally to drive the vertical GAN adoption. So it is cost competitive with silicon. It is providing solutions that are easy to use for our customers. It is creating manufacturing ready reference design. It scales uh, from 100 volts to 4,000 plus volts. Uh, and we are creating an entire ecosystem around our devices, which is we're making controllers um, that that are cheap and we are making drivers that are, or we're using drivers that are the lowest cost drivers in the marketplace today. Um, So I fundamentally believe, and of course I am a little biased because this is the technology that I'm promoting, uh, that uh, vertical GAN will be uh, the wide band gap solution that will get adopted and it will attack uh, and have opportunities in all these markets uh, because of the approach that uh, that we're taking and the approach that I've listed. Thank you, Alex, and thank you, Dinesh. So, wide band gap uh, semiconductor materials offer devices the ability to operate at high voltages, temperature and frequencies. 
As the demand for these electronic devices is proliferating, the demand for wideband gap semiconductors tends to increase steadily. GAN is a high band gap material that allows devices to operate at higher temperature and withstand higher voltages compared to silicon. Moreover, GAN's higher dielectric breakdown allows building thinner and therefore lower resistance devices. Lower characteristics RDS-on leads to smaller devices with lower capacitance. Moreover, vertical GAN devices are capable of switching at higher frequencies and operating at higher voltages.